The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. We assume that what we hold most vulnerable is something that we need to protect, that we need to not share with other people. When the truth is, is that what is most connecting for others to hear is actually the thing that is the most vulnerable for us to share. Good morning, everyone. This is the next Big Idea Daily, and I'm your host, Michael Kovnat. Have you ever wondered what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur? Drive, confidence, ambition, those certainly seem to be part of the mix. But for at least one startup CEO, those same traits were actually symptoms of an underlying mental health issue, bipolar disorder. Andy Dunn, the founder of men's clothing company Bonobos, has written an eye-opening memoir about his time as a Silicon Valley star grappling with a psychiatric illness. His story is personal, but in a culture where the push to succeed often means sidelining our mental health, it has universal resonance. The book is called Burn Rate, Launching a Startup and Losing My Mind, and our curator Adam Grant says it isn't a must-read for entrepreneurs only, but for anyone who has ever hesitated to seek help and support. Here's Andy to share some key insights from the book. Hi, this is Andy Dunn. I'm the author of a new book called Burn Rate, Launching a Startup and Losing My Mind. And today I'm really excited to tell you about five of the ideas that come out of the book. The first one for me is around the importance of normalizing mental illness in the workplace and society writ large. And that was actually the impetus behind writing the book. It begins with a diagnosis I received for bipolar disorder type 1 when I was 20 years old, and I spent the better part of two decades in denial of that illness. One of the lessons that I learned as I went through that journey of denial is that too frequently in life we seek out affirming points of view for what our opinions are about our situation, and too infrequently do we seek out disconfirming points of view Specifically in my journey with bipolar disorder, at least three times I sought out a therapist or a psychiatrist, and in all three cases, I was told that it was unlikely that the diagnosis of bipolar disorder was an issue that I was facing. I wish in retrospect I could have gone back and sought out not just people who would tell me what I wanted to hear, but perhaps take a more objective view in telling me something that was going to be more difficult to hear. The consequences of this denial were profound when 16 years after my first manic episode, I experienced a second. I spent a week in the psychiatric ward of Bellevue and upon release was discharged into handcuffs where I was charged with felony and misdemeanor assault of my now wife and now mother-in-law. Burn rate details the path back to health from that. And as I reflect on the journey, I wish I had been more intellectually honest in getting the opinions of people who didn't tell me what I wanted to hear, but what I needed to hear. One of the other big ideas and second takeaway from Burn Right for me is the power of vulnerable disclosure. It's a funny thing. We assume that what we hold most vulnerable is something that we need to protect, that we need to not share with other people. When the truth is, is that what is most connecting for others to hear is actually the thing that is the most vulnerable for us to share. 
And I'm learning that lesson in real time. With burn rate now out, I'm discovering a new kind of attention being paid to my story because previously the story that I was sharing was one of entrepreneurial success. As much as people want to learn about your success, they're far more interested in the challenges that you faced. And the truth is, is that we all face challenges and we tend to hide those. When it comes to mental illness, my realization is that it's leaving no family untouched. The number of emails and direct messages that I'm receiving is an affirmation that we need to do more societally to talk about the issues that we collectively face. Shame is really what is unspeakable. And so as I wrote Burn Rate and gave at times harrowing details of my experiences with mania, messianic delusions, psychosis, suicidal ideation, there were moments where I felt profound embarrassment, humiliation, all the emotions that keep us from sharing. And I had to remind myself that the unspeakability is in fact what drives the shame. And so the only way for us to expunge our shame as a society around mental illness and issues of mental health is to recognize that there is power in vulnerable disclosure. The third idea that I would like to talk about from burn rate is around the power of accountability. The second part of the book oscillates around a problematic relationship that I had with my co-founder, the startup that I was building, Bonobos. When the co-founder divorce was going down in 2009, the narrative that I held was that my co-founder was the root of all the problems. I had externalized blame for much of the dysfunction in our partnership on him. And it was only years later, as I had other falling outs with other Bonobos executives, as I struggled to find a romantic partner in life, that I came to a difficult conclusion, which is that I'm the problem in my life story. This is a difficult thing to take on psychologically, the idea that we are our own worst enemy. But if we can, and if we can take a step back and evaluate why, there's actually enormous agency in doing so, which is that gives us the power to change it. The fourth takeaway that I have from Burn Rate is the power of candor in communication. I detail three different family traditions that I've belonged to. On my dad's side of the family, who are Scandinavians from the Midwest, there is no confrontation, and so eventually there is no conversation. Small issues become medium-sized issues, medium-sized issues become big issues, and eventually no one talks at all. Tragically, my dad speaks to neither of his living siblings. In my mom's side of the family, who are Punjabi Indian immigrants, you say exactly what you think in real time to everyone except the person that you think it about. The result is a nearly perfect exchange of information maximizing harmony, but without the kind of interpersonal growth that comes from real face-to-face exchange of information, thoughts, and feelings. That's where my wife's family comes into play. Brazilian Jews and New York City Jews, the first time I ever had dinner with my now wife and mother-in-law, my wife was crying. I went to the bathroom. My Scandinavian Midwestern side was dry heaving, thinking I can't be a part of this family. And I thought this was because they were having an argument. Well, since I've learned that they were just having a discussion and that a family that is willing to be confrontational with each other 
might actually be a family that is coming together rather than falling apart. My final takeaway from burn rate is that in our foibles, in our flaws, is the opportunity for redemption. And upon discharge from Bellevue when I was arrested and charged with felony and misdemeanor assault, I felt a level of shame I had never known. It was 10 times the shame I had felt from the diagnosis because I'd been violent. Working through that over time created for me an enormous amount of guilt. And that guilt was that I had been unwilling to face the diagnosis that I'd received 16 years earlier. I hadn't gotten treatment. I hadn't been in therapy. I hadn't taken medication. And the result was that others had to bear the consequences of my failure to take care of myself. No one more so than my now wife, who was a victim of the violence that night. On the one hand, the takeaway from that would be to fall into a crippling depression and withdraw from the relationship. And I did one of those two things. The depression was awful, and it took quite a bit of time to get healthy, but I didn't withdraw from the relationship, and luckily for me, neither did she. Through the relationship therapy we did, the therapy that I did, and all the mutual work, we were able to build what is now a wonderful partnership. And so something that could have broken our relationship actually made it stronger and is what is enabling it to endure. Thank you, Andy. Andy got a bit more personal than many of the authors we feature here, and I appreciate that. It would probably benefit all of us if we could open up a bit more about what we're really going through. One psychological quirk that holds sway for a lot of us is the fear of being taken advantage of. It's actually a deeply rooted anxiety that may be keeping us from realizing our potential. Tomorrow, we'll hear from Tess Wilkinson-Ryan, author of the book Foolproof, How Fear of Playing the Sucker Shapes Ourselves and the Social Order, and What We Can Do About It. I'm Michael Kovnat. See you tomorrow.